tell us things we need to know, really important things, so you might want to pay real close attention. I know you will. And for the sermon today, uh, Mr. Barnabas Grayson, and his title is Friendship of God or with the World. Up higher. Okay. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Starting to feel more like winter. We're going to look at the uh, book of James. Uh, especially chapter 4 and this is where we read James saying you adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God and whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God for in some way friendship with the world is going to create hostility toward God because, as you know, society has a way of rubbing off on us, often in the wrong way, with wrong thoughts and, and conduct and things of that sort. For Christians today, this saying of James is a warning to be careful as to where we stand, how we stand, and think in regard to the world that we, that we live in. Are we, in our conduct being a friend or enemy of God. So the scriptures we read today will uh, help us to see where we stand. Now this letter was addressed to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Scattered abroad. And so being among these nations there were all kinds of cultures and customs that were foreign to the ways of God. That the people, his children, were to watch out for and be on guard against. Now this book of James kind of takes on a sermon. The tone of a sermon. And it was meant to be read wherever these 12 tribes were. Wherever they were scattered. So we have our copy of this letter. Even though it was addressed specifically to those 12 tribes. We find it addressed to us today so we can look at this book and get a glimpse as to what was on the minds of James so in this book we can read where James speaks about faith 
such things as patience and, and uh, pure religion. All of those things. Now we know that there are many forces in this age, both good and bad, that can attract people to a particular way of life. A way that is very attractive, that you want to be a part of, and sometimes it's the wrong way to go because we know the scripture says that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So uh, when you, that word there has to tell us that we have to use caution when we are uh, in the world. So James warns against going, as, going astray and by coming friendly or too friendly uh, with the world. And like in the first message, like David said, we need to be sure we get our <clears throat> act together. It's, uh, we must have had the world on our mind today because he, he had in his title the word world. And so is the title in the message this afternoon. So he said, James said, you adulterous people. And, you know, directed both to men and women. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity, that is hostility toward God and whoever befriends the world becomes the enemy of God. Now, adultery, as we know, is an act of disloyalty that it causes a breakdown in a relationship. Like we have uh, uh, half of all marriages end in divorce. But we see here a command. We know that there is a command that says you shall not commit adultery. Not only the physical act of adultery, but also the spiritual act of adultery. So we know that in our Christian life, from the day that we uh, repented and were baptized and received the laying on of hands for the Holy Spirit, we are committed to a lifelong relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And as, any, as in any relationship, a bond has been made and there is a like-mindedness that uh, develops which has an effect on our attitude and how we behave in life. But sometimes going astray starts with uh, going on the outside of that relationship which can turn our lives away from God and or toward one another. As I said, James writes about many things, rejoicing and trials and faith and patience and compassion and controlling the tongue, including, you know, gossip and other things. He talks about judging and he talks about justice, talks about prayer, and he talks about truth. To have friendship, we know, is to have fellowship and company and the sharing of like values and things in common. Now, growing up, I had friends in the church, most of them cousins, and sometimes we would get together when people were inside the meeting and and having uh, sermons and other things, and we'd be on the outside playing. And then when we saw the deacons coming, we'd uh, run and hide. They, we would get back in, into the church, you know, sweating and whatever. 
At school, I had friends in my class, my classes, and also friends on the playground. People that in some way we knew uh, that there was a sort of a, 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 a gravitation towards somebody that we admired or, or liked. Uh, there's one, I think it was first or second grade, I'm going <laughs> to digress a little bit and tell you a little bit about uh, my friends and I, mostly my cousins at the Dixie Elementary School. Uh, in first or second grade, you're not really too interested in girls, at least that's what uh, uh, we used to think. And uh, there was this one cute girl, and she had a way of attracting us. It's because of what she said to us, and I think, because uh, the way I felt, and I know the other guys that I thought, well, they don't want to have any girlfriends, but they wanted to be near this girl because she always called them baby. And they, we, would like to hear that word, baby. And so, and so there was a, an attraction of some sort at, at, that, at that young age. So as we grow older, we, we get friends on the basketball team or the football team, track team or whatever. And as I got older, uh, a lot of my friends were on, uh, played uh, tennis. We played about three, four times a week in basketball as adults. And then there was my girlfriend in eighth grade, uh, who is my wife today, <laughs> who is my best friend. Now, to have a friendship is to have love as it is defined in the word of God. We go to, you know, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and we read about kindness and uh, how you're not supposed to be jealous of, of one another or, and to have humility and to always be faithful and uh, to have hope and to have endurance. Those things that, that make for a, a loyal friend and a trustworthy friend and to rejoice in the truth, which, you know, we see a lot of things today that are just not based on truth. And it takes wisdom, it takes insight, it takes knowledge to sort it out. Sometimes it can drive uh, you up the wall. Now, we know that in Proverbs, there's a verse that says to show ourselves friendly. That is, you know, exercise some of those characteristics that we read about in First. Corinthians 13, and to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But why do we see James calling the some or the many as adulterers and adulteresses? What were they doing? Now we can see this as an act that was going on outside of the marriage unit, or it could be spiritual adultery. But apparently, some were going astray into the world, not doing those things, pleasing to God, but instead being disloyal and unfaithful to the word of God. Now, this accusation that we read would cause you know, a lot of people to bristle. And he spoke with authority, saying, you adulteress and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God's. So we wonder, 
And what attitude were they? They apparently weren't following the path of righteousness, the commandments of God. You know, all thy commandments are righteousness, and any unrighteousness is sin. Now, in Romans chapter 15, verse uh, 14 and 15, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows what his Lord does, knoweth not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So we see why the world can be looked at as adulterers and adulteresses is because they don't have exactly uh, that uh, understanding that God gives them because you know uh, we don't uh, we try to be humble in in our way because we don't want to look like we are uh, self-righteous because of the things that God has given us to know Sabbath the holy days the Ten Commandments, some of the prophecies that, that are in the Bible. But he has called us friends because he has made known unto us the things that he heard from the Father. So as a friend of Jesus, we have been given an understanding of the plan and purpose of the Father. And he said this of his followers, verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name he may give it to you and verse 17 these things I command you that you love one another verse 18 if the world hate you you know that it is hated that it hated me before it hated you I don't know if uh, any of us in here have suffered any persecution or direct hate from people out in the world. Perhaps you uh, can think of some. But verse 19, uh, Christ tells us this. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. You would not stand out as unusual. And as we know, some people just can't stand to see somebody uh, keeping the Sabbath on a Saturday because that's not the way of the world. And so in a way there is a resentment there. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now this word chosen means that you have been picked, that you have been elected, that you have been brought to God's purpose and his and the understanding of what life is all about. So James said. Don't you know. That friendship. With the world. Is enmity. Toward God. So there are things. In the world. This cosmos. That can. Make one hostile. Toward God. Romans 16. Uh, 616 tells us. Uh, you probably need to write that one down. If you want to. Uh, to the Romans. He, the Apostle Paul said. Don't you know. Same wording. Or know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are 
to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So who do we follow? The ways of the world or the gospel of Christ? The words of God that leads us into truth and into righteousness. We know that a person is free to choose their friends who they want to hang out with or to run around with, be with or whatever. And it's a relationship that can either be good or it can turn out bad. And it takes a little while to get to know one another. And so the book of Proverbs gives us advice about friendship. For example, in Proverbs 22, it says to make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man you shall not go lest you learn his ways and get a snare to your soul to endanger your own soul your own life as in Proverbs 22 verses 24 and 25 so we know that the book of Proverbs is filled with a lot of little sayings that says a lot about relationships 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse uh, 14 through 15 it says, Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what concord has Christ with Belial, that is, you know, the devil or, or evil, or what part has he that believes with an infidel? Those are uh, unbelievers. In godly ways. We also elsewhere know. That scripture says. To beware of wolves. And sheep's clothing. Individually. They are ravenous. They are seeking their own desires. And their friendship. Is not real. On the surface it looks. Very uh, alluring. But they pretend. In order to take advantage. And sometimes. It's discovered after a while that a friend has just been taking advantage of you in some kind of uh, worldly pursuit. Over in the book of Jude, chapter uh, 16, it says that there are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts. So we see these kinds of people, that there are people like this in the world, and their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. So they are sly, they'll say anything, lie if they have to, in order to, uh, to support a person that they admire. So a right relationship with God, of course, is based on what is good and right and what is pleasing in his sight. But how are we to know? The only way to know is to compare our conduct, our thoughts, our actions with what the Bible says about how we should be. We know that there is always peer pressure to get on board or go the way of the world. And sometimes due to weakness or because it's convenient uh, to succumb to that peer pressure. 
Sometimes we have to stand alone, however, knowing that if the world hates you, know that it hated Christ before it hated you. I've been told that if there is a gut feeling in a relationship or in something that you're about to do and there's some doubt that comes in, that, that means there's something wrong. And it's really time to pause, think about it, step back, and just not rush into anything. We're to do what is good. We're to not go astray. And so we have to be careful in our walk, in, in our Christian life. You know, in stormy weather, you know, the weatherman always says... Uh, when you come upon a roadway that's flooded with water, you may stop and pause for a while and somehow you may work up the nerve to go across it, which would be the wrong thing. And they, they have the saying, uh, turn around, don't drown. So whenever something doesn't feel right or it looks like there's wrong involved in it, you know, get away from it, shy away from it turn away from the evil but good friends we know are important because we can confide in good friends and they can help us through some sort of uh, question that we might have in life we can share our thoughts we can share our views on things but we should not also we should not neglect you know the voice or the experiences of elders the older and wiser ones among us who have come through years of experience and can pass on the lessons that they have learned sometimes in in a hard way because they did not listen to or follow good advice from elders it's like a like a young person like a child sometimes to be rebellious sometimes be contentious against good advice proverbs 27 verse 9, uh, 17 in a friendship, it's like iron sharpening iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. The countenance is, uh, when your countenance is sharpened, it's that your, uh, the outlook and the strength and the confidence and the faith that another friend, that a friend can instill in that person who needs it. Iron sharpening iron points them in the, in the right direction. Verse 19 says, this is in Proverbs 27, as in water, face answers to face, so too the heart of man to man. It's like a mirror that reflects a man's face, but what he's really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. We see our faces one way, but others, it takes others to sort of see it in a different way and sometimes bring it up to us. You know, there's a saying that a person is known by the company uh, he keeps. But one can be a true friend of Jesus who says he is a Christian, but because he may be doing things that don't square up with the words of Christ, Evil doings or falsehoods or, or corruption, adulterous ways. 
can uh, tell us that you know that's that's what we don't want to get uh, wrapped up in fall for a relationship that is not on the level Proverbs 14 I read this earlier a man that has friends must show himself friendly and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother we know that there are friends who pretend to be friends but a true friend is like a caring brother and a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity so we have siblings we have friends and acquaintances that we can bounce ideas or our cares off of and the problems that we have in a certain view and they may or may not agree but having a friend they will let us know because they may have uh, play the devil's advocate or or be the adversity that helps us to understand a relationship or a way in which we're going but a friend loves at all times he's consistent in character and behavior very dependable comfortable to be and trustworthy to be around so going back childhood days can you think of one person who you remember to this day as being a good friend and what do you look for in a good friend what would be one thing that you could uh, be looking for in a friend if you had to write it down or if you had to had to say it express it what one thing might it be you can raise your hand if you want to or you can answer it would you look for would love be the first thing you look for or a trustworthiness or a faithfulness or maybe some common bond that draws you together like I earlier said there are friends you know we uh, have in life because we share the same interests in a way we are friends here because we share the same interest in the word of God the direction that and the purpose that God is showing to us so going back to the childhood days there are friends that you remember and even today there are uh, friends that you have who may be your best friend and something you like about them now Moses was a friend of God in Exodus 33 9 through 11 I want to write that down I don't think I have it in the handout and it came to pass where Moses entered into the tabernacle and the, a cloudy pillar descended and it stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses talked with him and all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man from his tent door and the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friend so the Lord spoke with Moses as a man speaks unto his friend and to have that kind of divine relationship is really something 
that is, you know, if we, if God spoke to us, we'd probably uh, fall flat on our face out of fear. But he spoke to Moses as a friend. But we have that relationship with, with God, with Jesus Christ. We boldly approach his throne in prayer. Bearing our burdens, our desires, our needs. And we have communion with God. So the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaks unto his friends. There are a lot of examples of friendship that we can read about in, in the Bible. David and Jonathan, for example, Ruth and Naomi, Abraham and Lot, Samuel and Saul. And we read where in Ecclesiastes it says two are better than one. So it's good to have someone who is close and that close friend that we have is Jesus Christ. So to have friendship is to have fellowship. It's a brotherhood. It's like a union. It's togetherness. It's a fellowship into which we are all called. Both, both Jew and Gentile. But do we have a perfect relationship? Not really because we know from the book of Corinthians that there were carnal minded people there and there were contentions from time to time. Various sorts of contentions and they were going the way of the world. The carnal nature that, that is in them. In them. First Corinthians for, uh, first, chap, uh, first chapter verse 9 But God is faithful by whom you were called Unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I beseech you brethren. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you all speak the same thing. That's one way to get along. Have the same voice. Have, uh, speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. But being carnal sometimes we're going to disagree. Not see eye to eye. But that you be perfectly joined together. In the same mind. And in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you. Said Paul. To the Corinthians. My brethren. By them which are of the house of Chloe. That there are contentions. Among you. So we are not perfect yet. Churches are not perfect yet. Relationships are not perfect. But if we will stay in the light of God. Doing these things. Trying to speak the same thing. And uh, in the same mind and judgment. If we will stay in the light of the, of the word of God. And not go the way of the world. The carnal way by heeding its call. We are on the way to perfection. Ephesians chapter 5. Says to let no man deceive you. With vain words. For because of these things comes the wrath of God. Upon the children of disobedience. Children who have a tendency. People who have a tendency to resist, to argue, and to, be, and to disobey. Be you not therefore partakers with them. So we're, in call, we're called to inherit everlasting life and a place in the kingdom of God. Verse 8, you were sometimes darkness. But now are you light in the world. Walk as children 
of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto, uh, unto the Lord. So there are things in our life in which we sometimes will have to prove what, that what we're doing is the right thing. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak those th of those things which are done of them in secret. There are some things that they were doing that they're just so detestable and abominable that shouldn't even just, should just let it be. Don't need to speak every, every detail. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whosoever does uh, make manifest is light. Some of them will respond, you know, and come out of the world when this light uh, shines upon on them. And this is why in verse 14 God says, Wherefore he says, Awake you that sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So there is a chance that those in the world who are in darkness will come to see the light and, and turn uh, from their uh, wrongdoings. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now we know that the Bible speaks of, uh, of an end time system in which the, the Spirit says to us to come out of her, my people, and be not partakers of her plagues. We are to realize the danger that this, this system is going to pose. It's, but it's going to be uh, such a draw that some hard decisions are going to have to be made. Whether you receive, say, the mark of the beast, or whatever it is that is, is imposed upon you if you don't uh, go their way. So, this end time system, you know, it's speaking of a, a religious and political system that, uh, a Babylon that will manifest itself in the last days. It's already at work in, in different ways. But it's a worldly antichrist system that hates God and people will blindly follow and do its bidding. In the book of James, we do find direction on how we may escape the uh, pulls of the world. Remember, uh, the book of James has, has the tone of a sermon. And there are many places in the book of James where he reinforces what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 5. And this is brought out in, in a commentary that I have, the Cook commentary. And let me read a few examples. For example, in James chapter 1 and verse 2, James said, Count it all joy... When you fall into diverse temptations. And in Matthew 5.11. Jesus said. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. And persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they. The prophets which were before you. To overcome those trials and those persecutions and those temptations and the hatred that the world would have against us can be overcome by knowing 
and realizing that we have a hope beyond the, the, this world today. James 1.4. We read where James says, Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In Matthew 5.48, Jesus said, Be you therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. That's what we're try striving to do. Overcoming our nature. In James 1, verse 5, James said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give you good things to them that ask him? In James chapter 1 and verse 9, James said, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. James 1, 20, James said, For the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 22, I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council but whosoever shall say you fool shall be in danger of hell fire so we see from these how these admonitions correspond to Jesus's sermon on the mount James chapter 4 back to James chapter 4 Verse 1, James asks, From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So as we look around the world today, we see a lot of turmoil, a lot of fighting, a lot of quarrels, a lot of debate. And what's the cause of all of it? Isn't it because of evil desires within the mind and the body for wanting something that they can't have? You want what you don't have and then you go to war and try to get it that way. Verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world. Is enmity with God. Whoever therefore will be a friend. Of the world. Cosmos. Is the enemy of God. So the overwhelming lust of people. For wealth and for power. And for influence. For property and material things can be a strong desire that can mislead one away from uh, faithfulness toward the word of God. So if the aim is to enjoy just the evil pleasures of the world, you cannot be a friend of God because it's going to get in the way. Verse 5, Do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? It's a part of 
human nature that we have. And if it's strong enough, it can cause one uh, to go off the uh, righteous path. Because sometimes we're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So these things were causing spiritual adultery. God's people going astray from uh, faithfulness and love toward God. Verse 6. And we know that God is a jealous God. In verse 6. But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says God resists the proud. But gives grace unto the humble. So God sees the unfaithfulness. In his people. In our nation. But nevertheless he extends and makes known his grace. And that he has tender mercy. For those who are willing. And, and uh, he, he'll give strength to. To stand against the evil ways of the world. And not get involved in it. But the eternal. Will set himself against those who rebel. And pride themselves. Against his way. So James recommends several things to consider. Things that uh, exhort us to be free of, of the world and its carnal pools. He said in verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. That's what you do. Submit yourselves to the word of God, the truth, his way of life. And resist the devil. And he will flee from you. When the devil sees that he's not going to uh, break you, he's going to flee from you. Leave you alone. But, you know, he'll come back and try to tempt you again. So we know the source of temptation. The pull toward the evil that is in this world. And how Satan attacks our weaknesses. When he finds it. Elsewhere we know it says that uh, to put on the uh, armor of God. Verse 8. Draw close to God. And he will draw close to you. Cleanse your hands sinners and purify your hearts you double minded so we draw an eye to God by doing things that are pleasing in his sight and also by by much prayer and he will draw close to us and also to cleanse your hands if there are things that we're doing in life that are wrong that are worldly to uh, wash your hands of those things and then to purify our hearts and when our mind goes astray when it starts thinking wrong things purify the heart and the mind don't be double minded between right and wrong settle on what is right so it's something that we have to pray for strength in order to do we have to pray for guidance to do the right thing go the right way and we have to let God help us through and to establish a friendship with Jesus Christ and follow the path that he uh, leads us down. And verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. And your joy to heaviness. So let, the, you know, let there be tears for the wrongs you've done. Let there be sorrow and sincere grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. And gloom instead of joy. So there comes a time when you, know, when you finally realize that. Hey I've been going the way of the world. Perhaps too long. Then. It gives you, uh, gives you the uh, strength to repent. 
to know what to repent of. But don't be fooled by the world. Don't let it draw you in. So, you know, from here <clears throat> to the days of Passover can be, it's going to be long, it's going to be dark. And it, but if we quit dwelling in the light that is the word of God, it's going to be harder. With, you know, the, the COVID-19 taking its toll on lives in many ways, as, as we mentioned in the, uh, the first message. Staying faithful to the word of God, close to God, drawing near to him can be a challenge. So don't let a day go by without drawing nigh to God and cleansing your hands and purifying your hearts and not be double-minded. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And verse 11, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. We have to live by the law. Don't, you know, people uh, may, uh, in our view, may, uh, may not be doing the things that we would say is pleasing to God, but we can't judge them. A friend loves at all times. He won't gossip about a friend, say bad things behind his back. And so we see the book of James speaking of faith and faithfulness. I included 1 John 3, 6, 24, but I won't read that. You may make a note of that. But we are to have fellowship with the righteous, those who are in Christ Jesus, and to have uh, faith and fellowship in Jesus Christ himself. John chapter 14, uh, verse 23. Jesus answered, said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not, keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. In verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 17, we read where it says, We being many are one bread, one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 13, By one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. That's how and the way to get along in life. I have down John 15 verses 14 through 23. Uh, I won't read that right now. But you can on your own if you wish. I'd like to close. With the words of Jesus. And remember this. As we go out into the world. As we face the world. And all the things that it throws at us. Remember that Jesus said. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever I command you. And just like a friend. In Matthew 28.20. 20, he says. I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. <laughs>